Waves in the Finiverse. It tends to be a generational difference from a scarcity mindset, right? If you were the token woman and you're older and now other women are coming, you're afraid to give up the woman pie. The problem with unconscious bias is that it's hard in the moment. We're constantly learning from young people and yet we think that the learning path only goes one way. You know, if you don't take big leaps, it's very hard to make big gains. For as global as fintech and crypto and blockchain is, it's still so siloed, the networking and the, and the interactions, right? And we really need to change that. And that's why the association is seeking to be global, to have members from all over the world. Welcome to Waves in the Finiverse. I'm Walter Jennings, the host of a podcast brought to you by Finiverse. We're talking with the wave makers that are creating ripples, waves, and tsunamis across finance, crypto, fintech, Web3, and beyond. Listen weekly to hear the change makers talk firsthand about their experiences in this dynamic industry. Welcome to Waves in the Finiverse. I'm your host, Walter Jennings, and I am joined in the booth by Amanda Wick, the founder for the Association for Women in Crypto. Welcome to Waves in the Finiverse. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's fantastic, uh, Amanda, to see uh, to see you, to meet you, and to be able to talk about equity and inclusion in finance. So tell me about your hero's journey and the founding <laughs> of the association. Uh, hero's journey is probably strong, um, but it all started when I left government and I went to go work as the chief of legal affairs at Chainalysis. And as a woman in tech, I saw that it was very different and it definitely was not as inclusive or as welcoming. And I think a lot of women, unfortunately, have that experience. Um, I was really lucky to be blessed with strong supporters at Chainalysis, uh, my comms and marketing team, Molly Saint, Maddie Kennedy, Ian, uh, why am I blank blanking on Ian's name? <laughs> <laughs> Andrews, there we go. Um, but they were really supportive and we started a speaker series called Women in Crypto. And we had women from uh, venture capital, women from investigations, and we were just trying to feature and show that there are women out there. There's actually quite a few women in fintech who do crypto, blockchain, Web3. The problem is, is they're just not showcased and highlighted as much as men. And I don't think it's intentional. I just think when we're not intentionally inclusive, we're unintentionally exclusive. And that's a really big problem, I think, both with traditional finance and with digital finance. But we have a chance to do it better with digital finance. And that's what we started the association to do. Fantastic. Now, tell me what are some of the day-to-day -day things that occur in the association, or if you don't mind, I'll just call it women in crypto, uh, that helps uh, female professionals in this industry? Uh, yeah. So right now what we're trying to do, we have a website, womenincrypto.org. I highly recommend everyone go. Check it, the show notes. It's <laughs> right there. Exactly. Um, luckily, it's easy to remember, womenincrypto.org. Um, and we do educational and networking events. So the goal is to offer both in-person and virtual networking opportunities, but then also educational content. So we want to try to provide, uh, obviously, free content that's helpful, but then there's also a membership aspect to try to get professional women to join to make a truly global networking association. So what we found when I started looking at the space was that a number of, like, there was like a patchwork quilt of women's associations, 
And a lot of them were run by women who had full-time professional careers. Those women, obviously, when COVID hit, they had families, they had obligations, like they had full-time jobs on top of their association. So it's very difficult to sustain something if it's not your full-time job. And so I just decided to do this full-time. And our hope is to build a truly global network of women and male allies. I've had some of our best supporters have been male allies who have just jumped in and said, how can I help? And that is super inspiring. And it's, it's so much easier than they think. The answer is just be intentionally inclusive. But right now, we're ha- we've had three launch events in California, D.C., and New York. We started in the United States. We had an event in Bangkok last week. We're here at Singapore FinTech Festival. We'll probably have another event in D.C. before the end of the year in person. And then next year, we are really ramping up, working with conference planners and coordinators to try to have a presence so that at the major FinTech conferences, there is mentorship, networking opportunities for women, There is a working with the conference planners to be inclusive of the speakers. So there's a lot that we're doing and I, and I, I could go on forever. So you cut me off when I'm talking too long. No, Amanda, not at all. Now, listen, earlier in the show, we were talking about pain points and friction. What are the uh, kind of objectives to that? What are the, the challenges that you're hearing from members and how is the association helping them reduce their own friction when they're within their organizations. Yeah. So it interestingly, it really depends on the country because we've spoken, I've spoken with women all over the world now with these events. And it's interesting that there are cultural differences, but then there's also huge cultural similarities, right? So a lot of women have difficulties finding good mentors. Some women, unfortunately, the worst experience they've had is sadly from other women and men have been like the best sponsors. We don't, We don't talk enough about kind of women on women uh, problems, but I think we're talking about it more. It tends to be a generational difference from a scarcity mindset, right? If you were the token woman and you're older and now other women are coming, you're afraid to give up the woman pie. I, you know, I'm, I work in public relations my whole career, and I can tell you that the, 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 the shift in attitude from kind of people I worked with earlier in my career to today, it's, it's wonderful to see the, the growth, the empowerment. There still isn't equality uh, fully across the spectrum, but it's, it's a heightened awareness um, uh, and attention to the issue with groups like your, your own. Yeah, and I think that's a really critical point is that, yes, there's heightened awareness and attention. The problem with unconscious bias is that it's hard in the moment, right? So you're planning a conference, you're putting together a panel, you're making some opportunity and you go to who you know. And if a lot of men know a lot of men, then they tend to reach out to men. And what we're trying to do is just inject into that conversation. Don't just be aware. Don't just be cognizant. Be intentional about being inclusive because intentional inclusivity will make a change, which is why we kind of say awareness was great, but what we need is militance and diligence, right? (laughs) So I just saw there was a a conference, I think in Dubai uh, last week or the week before. And one of, you know, my, my former colleagues posted a picture of him on a panel of seven men. And I wrote back and I was like, this is not what inclusivity looks like. It's just not. The mantle kind of needs to be eliminated. And I say that and people say, well, you're fine with all women panels. And this is where the militants comes in because I say yes. And when there's gender equality and equal pay, then, <laughs> then, then I'll also have a problem with the all woman panel. But for right now, 
if you're looking at a panel that is all men, then then you're doing something wrong because there are females out there who are subject matter experts who deserve to be included in the conversation. I want to get personal uh, and thinking in Uh-oh. my mind. No, I'm thinking <laughs> about, you know, the, the, the female professionals who are working in financial services, in blockchain and in, in crypto exchanges and more. And what resources are available to them through the Women in Crypto Association that help them better deal with their day-to-day reality? Yeah, so one of the big things we're launching next year is something called Mentoring Circles. And this is the idea, like a lot of people, when they think of mentoring, they think of, oh, I have a senior mentor, right? And I learn from the senior person. But this is really outdated, wrong thinking because some of the people that I've learned the most from have been 20-something-year-olds who are fearless and start their own companies, right? I'll introduce you to my <laughs> teenager son. He'll exactly. teach you a lot. Exactly. And, and that's the thing about technology. We're constantly learning from young people, and yet we think that the learning path only goes one way. So instead of a, a mentoring of a senior woman and a junior woman, we have mentoring circles where we put about six to eight people together. Fantastic We match idea. them across industries, across geographies. And we say, look, you can all learn from each other. And we saw this at our launch event in Santa Clara, where there was a very senior successful woman who was having difficulty kind of getting into the C-suite. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm just having difficulty getting into this. And this woman who is, I think, maybe 29, she said, well, have you thought about joining a startup? And the, the woman said, that's too much risk. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm on, I've started my second company. Like, we should talk. And you could just see the bonds being grown and the, and the, the possibilities being open because the reality is, is a women are more risk averse. We just are. We invest less in venture capital. We tend to be just more risk averse generally. So to have those conversations, sometimes women need somebody to push them to consider the cost benefit, the, the cost risk analysis. But, you know, if you don't take big leaps, it's very hard to make big gains. Well, also the other point is you just don't know what the options are until you you consult with your uh, universe of people that you know, or even newcomers, because they suddenly provide a perspective you never had. That's right. And that's why conferences like this are so incredible, because you walk around and you see all the amazing things that people are doing that you had no idea. You meet somebody, you collaborate, you realize like places where you can cross network and, and develop things together. And those those connections, I don't know if you've ever read the book Range, but he talks about how generalists thrive in a specialized world and picking out all of these different things and seeing like the links between what this company does and this company. There's a, um, a company over there that's doing a partnership with a, um, a like, like a company that does, uses bread to make beer, right? Like they're basically like recreating uh, they're reusing like food waste to make new things. And these partnerships, when 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 you're thinking about them, are so important because, you know, something we talked about a little bit earlier is how this is so global. I'm from the United States. There's a lot more people here, I think, from outside of Southeast Asia. And for as global as fintech and crypto and blockchain is, it's still so siloed, the networking and the, and the interactions, right? And we really need to change that. And that's why the association is seeking to be global, to have members from all over the world, because you can't just be the person in the United States. You can't just be the person who knows people in Singapore, because there's so much out there now that if you can move money in seconds... You need to know the people who can help you in seconds. Yeah, no, it, it, it is one of the hallmarks of Web3, which is the whole idea of it takes an ecosystem to build a fintech. 
because even if you run a blockchain foundation that doesn't help you with the middleware and the dApps and and when you walk through this event hong kong fintech week you notice the dozens of companies and then that kind of spark that occurs when people meet and suddenly recognize that your wallet is solving my DeFi problem and your professional network is in line with mine so it, it's those kind of happenstance uh accidents that lead to great discoveries. This is literally how I ended up on the podcast. Me and, and Angus were talking at the TRM Labs booth and I, I we just happened to overhear each other. We were we were both I, I was raving about Ari Redboard's LinkedIn, which I do quite frequently. He's at TRM and Angus and I just happened to start talking. I told him what I did. He mentioned that he did conferences in this podcast. And the next thing you know, I'm here with you. And those opportunities happen so much if you open yourself up to all of the people here and the vibe here at Singapore FinTech Festival is so amazing. Last night at Club Street, people just sat down with strangers, introduced themselves. It, it's just an incredible thing that if you open yourself up to it, which I get is hard for introverts. And we could have an entire podcast on the difference of networking for introverts and extroverts. And that's something that we do at our events because we have to do facilitated networking to involve introverts because you just, if you just have some cocktail hour, that's an introvert's nightmare, right? It, it's just too difficult to make meaningful connections that way. But here, it's there's just a vibe that's very conducive to that. And it's it's a really incredible thing when conferences can accomplish that. I recommend all my fellow introverts start a podcast. It's <laughs> the best way to socialize. <laughs> it, it is a very nice, it's a nice way to have a meaningful conversation with somebody. And, and we all crave that, especially coming out of COVID. We are all looking for meaningful connections outside of our home with other people because a lot of us felt we were trapped for so long. And even my most introverted friends right now are realizing how much they, in fact, needed other people. And I think that was a little eye opening for all of us. And as we come out of COVID and as the world reopens, that that need to kind of like reach out and grasp for people is also really conducive to business opportunities and meaningful things and ways that we can change the world together. So it just feels like it's a very exciting time and like a tipping point to really make change, especially using all the incredible fintech products that are coming out of conferences like this. Waves in the Finiverse, the podcast. Speaking to the people making waves in finance, fintech, crypto, Web3 and beyond. Earlier, you mentioned, uh, I think I'm going to have T-shirts made that say women in crypto be intentional. Um, and I, I would buy that shirt. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I'd probably give it to you. Uh, but when we spoke before the show, we were talking about unconscious bias. And I wanted to that is where you might have people organizing an event who just only think of the men they know. But. Let me flip that a moment and come to you from the perspective of a female professional. Do they have an unconscious bias against what they can achieve? Or, you know, the, you mentioned earlier risk aversion. Are they, you know, how do we instill the, the confidence so that they're pushing more um, 
uh, and over, trying to overcome that? Yes, yeah, so that's a great question. And that's something that we try to do at our events. When I was when we had our event in Bangkok, we were talking with women all over Africa and Asia, women in cyber. And one of the women from Africa said something that was so interesting because she said it's very hard for them to get women to be CISOs, uh, like chief security officers. And part of the reason for that was because if there's a breach, the first person to get fired is the CISO, right? And so, yes, it comes with the reward of the C-suite, but it comes with this risk of being accountable and possibly losing your job. And that's a scary thing, right? And women tend to be providers. They tend to be the bedrock. They tend to be the people that everyone relies on. So men are in some ways conditioned to be able to take more risk and have somebody to kind of support them. Whereas women tend to be way more concerned about job loss or financial insecurity. There's so much that gets wrapped into that. People's life situations, their partners, whether they have children. Dealing with all of that is why women benefit so much from talking to other women at different points in their lives, at different points in their careers, and also talking to men, right? So that's why we also talk about the importance of having male and female mentors, and just as importantly, male and female sponsors. And those are different things. A mentor is there to help you, to advise you, to, to you know answer questions when you have them. A sponsor is somebody who says, there's a podcast that you should be on and I'm going to connect you. There's a job that you should be in and I'm going to and I'm going to put you forward for it. They push you and they help you and they support you. And I think if you talk to a lot of successful people, they can pick out the sponsors in their life who have helped them. And so again, going back to intentionality, being intentional about your relationships and having mentors and sponsors can make all the difference because sometimes you need somebody my best friend uh, who's on my board, Jane Kodorkovsky, we were just talking this morning how she was like, I'm so glad you shoved me out of the nest of government. I had somebody who shoved me out of my nest. Sometimes you need somebody to push you and to get you to think more broadly. And women and uh, when women and get together, women who support other women, and we have one rule, and that is no mean girls. And it's a critical rule because, and the women out here know exactly what I'm talking about. They know exactly who the mean girls in their lives are. And that is a really strict thing because when women who really support other women get into a room, magical things get done. And if we keep out the mean girls, it is, I'm, I'm loving the head nodding. It's so, it's so great, but it's a very real thing. And, you know, when women and women get together and then you add supportive male allies who are like, how can we help? The biggest thing I tell men is, tell me what you need. I have a woman that I can put forward. And that's the thing is we have to get men to be more intentional. You're planning a conference. You're working on a paper. You have a job opportunity. Just be intentionally inclusive for both women, people of color. And it's 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 such an important thing. And to think globally, even conferences in the United States, I'm like, you couldn't get one person from Southeast Asia or Europe. You think all of fintech is in the United States. Yes, travel is is, is a cost issue. But we just have to figure out ways to do this better. And being more broadly inclusive is something that we just we all have to do it for for crypto, for global fintech. If we're going to make this work, we have to be more intentionally inclusive. I wrote on my notes. I drew a line down the I center know, you've of written the page. So many notes. I'm like, what uh, is he I, writing? Well, well on one side, I put mean girls and crypto bros. And on <laughs> yeah. the other side, I put women in crypto and male allies. Yeah, the crypto bros are very real. I will say somebody commented to me how refreshing it was not seeing any like backward turned hats running around. And, and the vibe here is less crypto bro, I think, than some conferences. And I, I think that conferences are starting to realize how exclusive 
of the crypto bro culture is. Yeah, well, I think that is a very, very narrow segment of all that Web3 has to offer, which are the, you know, the traders and the, the hodlers and the, 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 coin fo the coin bros, the crypto bros. But within Web3, as we expand that out in fintech, you're looking at massive systems that are, are trying. I mean, we had earlier the uh, CEO of the Cordano Foundation talking about intention and equity and really driving to support sustainable development goals so there there is there are pockets of that and it's less um oh there's huge pockets yeah. of it and the thing is is the problem is that the crypto bro culture is to your point i think getting less but it's still like an outsized amount of the people who are showcased and highlighted right i, I think the problem is is that you need more voices in the room. And one of the things that we were talking about yesterday is, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that as the conversation about responsible innovation is growing and crypto is becoming more legitimate, you have blockchain analytics companies that are able to help with AML and KYC. And the topic of responsible innovation is grow. It's like a wellspring. I don't think it's a coincidence that there's a tipping point that we need to have more inclusion of different voices in the room. When you exclude women from the room, unfortunately, bad things tend to happen. Like statistically, when you have women in the room, that's where you get risk, moderation, discussions about what should we do, not just what could we do. And too few of those conversations were had at the beginning. And now we have what we have, but trying to kind of force the market now into trying to force innovation into responsible innovation requires a broader range of voices in the room. And so I think you have this convergence basically of inclusivity and responsible innovation and people are being, I think, more cognizant of the need for inclusivity and not just women, people of color, people from around the world. Like this is a really important topic for, for everyone. I'm obviously passionate about women and being inclusive to women. But whenever I see a panel of all white people, I ask the same thing. Are, are you serious? Like that that's all one voice. Right. Yeah. And we just need broader voices. Now, um, uh, unbeknownst to you, I am a middle aged white male. And uh, <laughs> I had not noticed. I know. What? It's amazing. Your 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 blindness there. But uh Speaking to someone uh, like me, what are two or three things that I can be thinking about differently uh, to s be a, a better male ally? That is such an amazing question. And the thing is, is realize that in the moment that you're making decisions, you've had years of conditioning that will have you make the wrong choice. And that's not, that's the definition of unconscious bias, right? And when I say wrong choice, I just mean the lesser inclusive choice. It's not intentional. I don't think white men run around the world saying, how do I just keep this amongst white men and exclude everyone else? Or at least I'd like to think those guys aren't out there. That's the, Pollyan there was a that's the Pollyanna night, in me. There was a Saturday Night Live <laughs> skit by Eddie Murphy many years ago on that. Sadly, my, my last job showed me the, the impacts of, of racism and white supremacy. So I can say they sadly are out there. But for the guys who are asking, how do I be a good male ally? Understand that in the moment that you have an opportunity where you're looking at other people, whether it's speaking, uh, hiring somebody, any opportunity, if you are intentionally inclusive, and I hate when people say, oh, like diversity, I'm like, no, no, this isn't diversity for diversity's sake. This is realizing 
that there are incredibly qualified, sometimes more qualified women and people of color. And you need to be intentionally inclusive because the neural pathways in your brain will have you reaching out to the people that you know before you know it. So in that moment, pause and think, is there a woman, is there a person of color that I could include? And if I don't know one, then intentionally reach out to somebody like me, intentionally reach out to some of my founding members who are running Black Women Blockchain Council, Zimba Women in Africa. There are so many organizations that can find you a woman or person of color that there's really no excuse. You can't not find one if you're looking. So the first thing I would ask is look. And the second thing that I would say, and this is a huge thing, I knew a male ally who did this and it was so impactful. He would not speak on panels that were all men. If he saw that the other speakers were only men, he would say, I, that's just not, no, that I, if you could maybe be a little bit more inclusive, I can suggest a different panelist, but he would actually just not speak on and it. And it forced the conference planners to really look at what they were doing and say, oh, oh my gosh, we didn't even notice that. Yes. Do you know a woman? And so those are the two things that I would say is A, figure out ways to be intentionally inclusive and B, help us call it out when you see that somebody's maybe not so inclusive because they probably don't mean it. They just need a little help and we can help them. I would also encourage our listeners to kind of recognize their own unconscious bias. If you're all heading, of us, if you're all heading of us out, have it. yeah, if you're heading out to Starbucks with a bunch of the guys, instead perhaps find a maybe a younger female professional, uh, sit with them, yes. ask about the barriers they're facing in their workplace, and just learn. Yes. Uh, you don't have to have the answers. You just have to have some of the questions. And I know, you know, there's there's, there's some really fine lines here. And I've had people say, oh, like, where do you get with white savior? I've heard that expression. Like, you know, there's this. And I hate when people say that. Because the reality is, is if a lot of the pie is held by white people and white people realize that's a problem, then when they reach out, you shouldn't be smacking the hand away. You should be saying, is this coming from a good place? Is it sometimes coming from a bad place? God, I hope not. But if it is, I get it. But don't always assume that it's coming from a bad place. Assume that it's coming from a place where the more we talk about this, the more people look around and say, gosh, this is a lot of white men or gosh, this is a lot of men or gosh, we just need to have different voices. And anytime somebody does that, I think we should recognize it. And just as importantly, anytime people don't, we really need to be more militant about calling it out in a nice way. I try to do it as nicely as possible. I use a lot of emojis. I take that from Ari Redboard. He's the king of emojis. And I try to be as nice as I can about, hey, I'm sure you're great, but let's do this better. We can do this better. Amanda Wick, founder of the Association for Women in Crypto, full-time job dedicated to the cause. Thank you so much for joining us on Waves in the Finiverse. Thank you so much for having me. And for anyone listening, if you're interested, if you have a partnership opportunity, if you're interested in inclusion and making sure that the future of digital finance is inclusive, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Our website's womenincrypto.org. My email is amanda at womenincrypto.org. And I just appreciate everyone listening. And thank you for the phenomenal conversation and questions. This was an absolute blast. This has been Waves in the Finiverse. Why not hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.